0: So we are streaming, and we'll continue to stream to Facebook, but we are going to stop streaming to the uh, online.church. What is it? KairosKC.online.church platform. Um, just some technical issues, and then it was coming up for renewal, and it's pretty expensive, and uh, since it's just Facebook is free... And so it will be there. You don't have to have a Facebook account. If you just go to Facebook.com backslash Kairos Kansas City, or I think it's Kairos Kansas City, it will be there, and you can watch it without actually logging in. It'll ask you, hey, will you log in? And you just ignore that, click no, and you can watch the live stream right then and there. If you want to go back and watch a previous uh, stream, I think you have to get an account at that point. But we do ours public, which we don't require you to log in. So, for right now, we will do that. Amen. Um, Building. So, we are uh, looking at purchasing a building. And uh, we are in the process of raising some funds to be able to purchase a building. And uh, if we can, we will purchase this one. If uh, we will also, at the same time, we are looking at other buildings and any opportunity that the Lord has for us. We are not 100% settled in this building, uh, but we are settled on getting a building. Uh, There are different issues about this building that um, it's a good location, but it's going to require some work and uh, just some things that concern us a little bit, uh, but we're willing to do that if the Lord wants us to. So uh, we are needing about 180000 to $200,000 for a down payment to be able to afford a building in the range that we're looking at. And so we have begun uh, receiving offerings toward a building fund to get that down payment so that either this building or another building, when uh, it's ready, we can lay down the down payment, get the financing, and, and buy the building. And so we currently have about $32,000 in that. Fund, uh, and so if you would consider giving toward that, we would greatly be appreciated. Uh, currently, we spend um, forty six hundred dollars a month on a lease payment for the building. Uh, we set aside eighteen hundred dollars a month for taxes because the building is not owned part of our lease. We have to pay the taxes because it's not owned by a nonprofit. We are paying uh, taxes on it, which amount to about twenty grand a year, and so that's eighteen hundred dollars a month. And then we pay uh, full insurance, our insurance, and the uh, insurance on the building as per our lease. And, and we re- have to pay for any major expenses of repair that take place while we're leasing it. So it's like we basically own it. We have all the responsibility of owning it, but none of the benefit of it actually being ours. And so, uh, we either need to move out of this lease and get into somewhere different, or we need to go ahead and buy the building, bite the bullet, and let the Lord bless us. There's a lot of land. There's three acres behind us that we would like to purchase as well, uh, with the goal of in the future, maybe the Lord building a a different building back there, or adding on a Hope Rocks food pantry, community center, or something like that. That would be our desire. But first, we need to tackle this one. And so we are looking to raise um, $180,000 to $200,000 for a down payment. Like I said, right now we currently have $32,000. And I would uh, ask you to consider giving, to consider uh, sacrificially giving, uh, so that we can uh, get stable as a church family and have a building that is ours to grow and bless others with. So... If you have questions about that, I am more than happy to uh, talk with you uh, and discuss and give you as much detail as I want. Uh, Dennis has all the details as well, and happy just to sit down and discuss that with you if you would like more information or different ways to give or when to give or anything like that. Our current lease is up in uh, June, and so we would like to have something done by June uh, if the Lord um, so timingly wills. So that is our desire. I know it'd be a uh, a miracle, but you know we serve a God of miracles. So uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it it can't happen. Um, I know that He is able to, and that's what I'm looking for. The provision of the Lord. I keep having this real estate agent call me and say, "Hey, there's another church building available. Would you be interested?" I say yes, and then he ghosts me for two weeks and never responds back. And then he calls back two weeks. So I don't know if that's a Lord thing and it's just waiting for the right timing. Or it's someone just messing with me. Uh, We'll find out. But the Lord desires good things for our body. And we want the good things of the Lord. We want the good things of the Lord. Uh, And so uh, if you would prayerfully consider giving into that fund, we'd greatly appreciate it. Just mark building fund on it. And it is set aside. It's in the same account, but we have it accounting-wise set aside and earmarked. Uh, for a purchase of a church building okay amen uh, for the Beacon guys that came in there's going to be free food right after church in the foyer you guys will want this is that why did you hear it online and come over or no okay I thought ding ding little alarm the, everybody starts texting everybody free food mm. okay if you would turn in your Bibles with me Let's go to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34. You know, the kids downstairs, they do worship music. And I went downstairs, and uh, one of the kids, one of the young kids, was up leading all the other kids and singing with all of his heart. And it was just, I was like, wow. It was just cool, fun, you know. And all the other kids are dancing, and he's he's up there singing, I can't stop dancing. Mm, Just cute. I love seeing kids just... In love with Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray over the word. And we'll let the Lord speak to us this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and your goodness. Lord, you see us. You love us. You care for us. Lord, we are the sheep of your pasture, Lord. You are a good shepherd. You do see us, Lord. You heal us. You meet us where we are. You love us. You guide us. You teach us. Father, thank you, Lord, for all that you do, Lord Jesus. You are so kind and so good. Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that your heart would be in us, for the world around us, Lord, that all that you desire, Lord Jesus, your heart would be uh, shared through us, Father. I thank you, Lord, for that, for your goodness, for your kindness, for your meekness toward us, Lord. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, Jesus is kind. Jesus is very meek. Meek being that he is full of strength and power and could if he wanted to, but uh, be mean and be cruel and all that if he wanted to, but it's not his heart. He is kind, so he has the power to punish, but he doesn't because at this point, because he loves us and is reaching out to our hearts. Let's look at Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 34. This is Ezekiel. He's a prophet of Israel. He is in um, Babylon. He has, was one of the ones that was taken away from Israel. And he was there with the group that were sent into captivity. And Ezekiel says, The word of the Lord came to me. Which is important to note that this is the Lord speaking and not Ezekiel giving his opinion. This is the Lord speaking. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them. So this is Ezekiel getting a corrective word to the shepherds of Israel. And the Lord is pronouncing it to them. Now why is the Lord pronouncing it to them? The Lord's pronouncing it to them because he wants to, one, get their attention. And because when he gets your attention, he wants you to make a choice to move in the right direction. So he's looking for the ability to continue to love and be kind towards you and to move you into better and better things. So he speaks corrective words to get your attention and to get you to change course. Okay. Uh, A lot of times we think of the Old Testament prophets of just judgment, but the fact that they're speaking words corrective is a a sign of the kindness and the love of the Lord toward us. It is unkind and unloving to remain silent. It is unkind and unloving to remain silent. And the word the Lord gives always begins with hope. Say this to them so that they can see their fault and begin to move towards in the right way. What does he say to the shepherds of Israel? This is what the sovereign Lord says. Sovereign meaning, hey, I'm the one in charge. Don't forget, I'm your boss. Don't forget, I'm the one that you're submitted to. I am the Lord. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Ouch. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? Basically, you've lost your purpose, guys. Yeah. You've forgotten why you exist. You've gotten busy with other things, and you've forgotten why you're even there. Number Verse 3, You eat the curds, you clothe yourself with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock of the Lord. So you are willing to receive the benefit of being a shepherd, but you don't care for or have a, or have a heart for the actual flock. Verse 4, you have not strengthened. So these are the things that they should be doing that are normal parts of being shepherds. You do not strengthen the weak. Shepherds strengthen the weak. Shepherds meet the weak where they are and strengthen them. Shepherds don't kill weak. Shepherds don't beat up the weak. Shepherds don't kick the weak. Shepherds don't uh, beat a, you know, discourage the weak. Shepherds meet the weak where they are and speak to where they are to strengthen them and help them to become healthy again. Okay? You do not heal the sick. Shepherds look for the sick so that they can be healed. They want to speak God's best over them. They want to speak the liberty, the change, the breakthrough over them that God has. Not just give up on them and say, well, it's too late for you. You're sick. We might as well just go ahead and slaughter you and have a feast. Shepherds go, okay, this one's sick. Let's get it back to good health. Because I have long-term vision for this lamb, not short-term, it's too late. I have a brother-in-law who is a uh, cattleman and he is constantly out there caring for those cattle, giving them shots, caring for them, digging them out of the mud, making sure their water's running. He works day and night to make sure the cattle are safe and healthy. He has long-term desire for those cattle. If they get sick, he cares for them and tries to get them back to health. God doesn't euthanize his sheep He says, you have not bound up the injured. Now, sometimes we get injured, and you, you remember that if you're injured, that means you have a function that's kind of broken. A sickness is an attack against your system, but an injury is something that should be normal, but has been hurt or wounded, and it's going to need to heal, so you're not going to be able to walk correctly. You're not going to be able to do something correctly for a while, and someone's going to have to tend to you to help you restore to the, the, the way you should be able to function in that area. So we have people with woundeds, wounds in their, in their heart, and instead of just saying, I'm sorry I can't deal with you, you're injured, I'm only looking for the good ones... You're going to have to go somewhere else that will deal with your area. The, the shepherd goes in and cares for the needs of that individual in that area and builds them up and uh, helps them to overcome, to get back healthy and strong in that area. It takes patience and peace to bind up the injured. Okay? And this is what he's saying to the shepherds. You have not brought uh, see, you have not brought back the strays, are searched for the loss. So you haven't gone out of your way to care for, to seek out, to be concerned with those that are not immediately in your care. Those that have disappeared. Those that have wandered off. Those have gotten deceived. Those that have uh, been rebellious. Those that uh, are, are just dumb. Uh, whatever it is that gets the lamb out of the flock, you need to be able to go out and find them. This is what the Lord is saying to Israel. You are failing to do your job and to uh, seek after and to heal all the flock that's around you. And what happens, verse 5? So they're scattered because there's no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. The enemy comes in and just begins to eat left and right and uh, they're just in a mess. They're not cared for. So in reading this, this is often a verse that we use in our um, occupational pastoral meetings to challenge one another as pastors to care for the flocks that the Lord has given us. And there's a verse in Proverbs that says, know the condition of your flocks. Know that those that the Lord has given you, know about them where they are, uh, care for them, Uh, Put your focus on them. It's important as a shepherd to be able to see your flock. But I want to challenge you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning to remember what Jesus did. Because when Jesus came, Jesus walked as a shepherd. And these things that are listed here are all things that Jesus did when he was here on earth. If you remember, he cared for the sick, he... uh, Healed the sick. He bound up the wounded. Uh, we're talking Luke four eighteen and nineteen. Set the captives free. Liberate. Call out of darkness. Open the eyes. These are all things that are that are here. He saw and cared for. He went out as he's walking through. Uh, we I think it was last week we talked about it. Uh, or no, it was maybe at the funeral. Uh, he brought it up where Jesus was walking through the city and the woman was the widow was carrying out her only son that had died. Uh, and Jesus walked up and raised the guy from the dead. The widow of Cain? Nain? N-A-I-N, Nain. I knew it was Nain, Cain, something like that, yeah. Just could not remember. Thank you. So he, Jesus sees where people are, meets them, and loves them. Now. This is the little question that I want you to think about. Are you a shepherd or are you a sheep? Are you a shepherd or are you a sheep? It's a question that really is a focus because if you're sheep, then I'm the shepherd and the only shepherd or Dennis and and David, just a few of us occupational shepherds. Or some of you are shepherds and some of you are sheep. Or all of you are shepherds, just maybe not experienced shepherds. Jesus says some things over you that we need to, as we begin to ponder this, begin to keep in mind. Okay, In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, he says, You're the salt of the world about you? You are salty. You bring flavor. You bring life. Wherever you go, you bring Jesus, because the salt is the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you know that. There's a great study. The salt is the Holy Spirit. Do you know the salt was added into the anointing oil? The salt was added into all of the offerings, because the salt represents the Holy Spirit that's added into... And you're the salt of the earth. You bring the Holy Spirit who reveals Jesus everywhere you go. You're the salt of the earth. You make a difference simply by being if you're a follower of Jesus. Everywhere you go, you are salty. You know, that's a new slang term, salty. Mm -hmm. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 says, You're the light of the world you shine. Now, some of you may be like, well, I don't know if I do more than just a little spark, but I tell you what, a spark in a coal mine is pretty bright. I don't know if you've ever been where it is totally dark. I've told you a story about walking across Ukraine uh, outside of Kiev in in a village in 2003 where the only one with the flashlight was the guy in front, and there was about I don't know, five, six, seven of us, and we had a 20-minute fast-paced walk through the fields to get to the other village for the, for the believers meeting. And it was a matter of keeping my eye on the light that the guy had in the very front and walking fast. You know, kind of making sure you kind of feel the person in front of you, and you're just walking, watching that light. You're a light. When it's pitch black, you don't have to be a beacon shining Don't negate yourself because you're not a bonfire. Realize that even if you're a small candle, you are still a light in the darkness. You're a light. You shine forth Jesus. And the more you love Jesus and the more you draw closer to Him, the more you uh, have fun with Jesus, your light gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter wherever you are. You are that light. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You know that song? It's pretty old. You are a chosen generation and a royal priesthood. As a believer, you are a priest. So who were the shepherds in the Old Testament? Shepherds were the rabbis, which, and the rabbis were the priest. Right, they were the Levites. Levites They were the Levites. And you are a priest. So if A equals B, and B equals C, A equals C. So technically, in the eyes of the Lord, you're a shepherd. Now, are you walking in the level of sh- uh, as a shepherd that uh, you know some of the other people that you look up to are? Probably not, but who cares? You know, Jesus didn't ask you to be them; he asked you to be you. And you have a flock around you. So imagine if we looked out into the world, and we just kind of looked around with our with our, our, our the mind of our you know the spirit our spirit eye, and we looked around. How many sheep just are out there walking around on these fields? I mean, everywhere I look, I just see tons and tons of sheep just walking all around. Some are in flocks, but a lot are not. This is how I believe the Lord Jesus sees it. That's why he uh, brings to the body apostolic voices who will say, hey, we got to go. I feel sent into the nations to reach the lost sheep of, of Jesus, to reach every sheep out there. Another good verse that's spoken over you is Romans 8:31. "If God is for you, who can be against you? Now I know these, some of these are like rah-rah verses. You know that you encourage yourself in in the middle of the battle, it's like, oh, I don't feel so much that God is for me in the middle of the battle." But the truth is still the truth. If God is for you, who really can be against you? In Romans 8:37, you are more than conquerors. So in Christ Jesus, you are able to overcome. And it's reminding yourself that, Jesus, your truth says, in the midst of the situation, I'm able to overcome. Therefore, I'm going to let go a little bit of trying to solve this myself. And I'm going to look and see what you have for me. See, shifting from a sheep to a shepherd is a little bit of like becoming shifting from a child to a parent. You begin to go, oh wait, there's people out there who need me. People out there who need Jesus in me. People out there who won't make it on their own. You know, because a child is like, hey, I'm a kid. Somebody's taking care of me. Somebody's claiming me on their taxes. You know, I'm a dependent. Well, at some point, you want your children to move from being dependent to independent. In the same way as believers, we want to move from being babes in Christ. Where I have all of these needs and I so need Jesus to rescue and help me and to save me and to do this to, Okay, Jesus, you're working this in my life. I trust you, so I'm going to begin to help others as you are helping me. If we remain in that state where we're just there going, Jesus, help me, help me, help me, help me. I think the enemy piles on even harder because he wants to keep us there. Jesus gives his heart to you as you mature in your faith, as you pursue him. He begins to reveal to you how he would react in every situation. He begins to prod you to be, go, hey, look at me. Stop looking at your own self and look at me. Don't handle this the way you would handle it. Look at me. Follow me. That's why Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He prods us to change and to be conformed into his beautiful image, which liberates us. I'll show you this week, I I had uh, two odd situations that I am prayerfully considering, okay, Lord, are you prodding me? Because they were so odd that they got my attention. I think that's the first step, is the Lord trying to get your attention in some way to get that, producing that change to shift you from being a sheep to a shepherd. The two situations that happened to me this week, uh, one happened, I think, on, uh, it might have been Tuesday, and the other one happened uh, this morning. Uh, So I think it was Tuesday, uh, I think you were here, when the young lady walked into the building. Was that Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday? (laughs) (laughs) Sometime this week. Uh, It was in the later afternoon when uh, we're kind of done, everything's, the the front door was still open, unlocked, and uh, we had reached the point where it would slow down and we're more kind of quietly doing things, answering emails, setting appointments, texting, things like that. And all of a sudden I see somebody, I was in the coffee shop, and I see somebody walk across the foyer, the front door open, and then just walk across the foyer and disappear out of sight. And I'm like... And I think Stacy might have been in the coffee shop area. I don't remember, but I would, or you were in your office. I don't remember. Right. Yeah. And then uh, when we determined, she came back, she said, it's a young girl and she went to preschool here. And I don't know, you know, it was just one of those odd things. And so I said, well, you, you head on home. I'll take care of it. So I walked over there. I walked through the food pantry and met her at the blue um, bulletin board over here that has the spark pictures on it. And it was this, this cute, probably 23, 24-year-old girl, long hair, ball cap on, kind of frumpy looking, um, but cute, and she looked lost and not lost as in, I don't know where I am. I'm talking lost, lost. You know, like, um, who, you can go ahead and turn that off, whoever that is. <laughs> uh, completely lost, like, like she doesn't know why she was even there in the building. And I said, hi. And she said, hi, I'm sorry. I just, uh, I used to go to preschool here, and uh, I just wanted to see the building. Well, I'm the only one. I think it was me, and maybe Mary was in her office. So it's just not a comfortable situation to say, yeah, let me just drag you around the building and show I don't know who you are. In the process of trying to figure out why she was there, what she was thinking, it was just, you know, she finally just kind of, uh, I'm sorry, and she turned around and beelined it out of the building. And then this morning we were back in the fire prayer room, and a young man comes in and walks, I don't know how he did it, but he did, he walked all the way through back to the fire room, walked into the fire room, interrupted us, and began to try to get our names and addresses to sell us insurance. So, both cases, as soon as the girl left the building, and as soon as I very politely uh, just said, hey man, you know, we're not, we're not interested in insurance, thank you, but we're not, you know, this isn't a time, we don't. Nobody's going to be interested in insurance right now. And in fact, my sister sells insurance, so I'm not interested. You know, and he was like, thanks, and we fist-pumped. And he left the building, and, uh, you know, and she left the building. As soon as they left the building, instantly I heard the Lord say, are you paying attention to what I'm doing? You know, the first one, I mean, it hit me, and I sat for probably 30 minutes just going over it. Lord, this young girl... I didn't even sit down with her. I didn't invite her. I didn't, I didn't say, hey, why don't you come sit down and have a cup of coffee? How you doing? I mean, I didn't see her as someone who Jesus might have drawn. And the young man, as soon as he left the building, it hit me. Was that Jesus drawing that? It's the second person who's been drawn. And the girl kept saying, I don't even know why I'm here. So the Lord is getting my attention. So I'm going to spend some time seeking the Lord about it and, and uh, changing maybe my attitude or whatever is hindering me from seeing the sheep the Lord is drawing to me. And I want to encourage you. There are sheep on the fields all around you that Jesus just wants you to first see. You know, to see them, you've got to shift from being, I'm just a sheep, I don't need to see anybody else, it's about me, to, okay, Lord, I'm willing to be a shepherd, I'm willing to be that light, be that salt. Who do you see around me? Let me uh, encourage you, he's not going to shift you to be responsible for reaching all of China. That's not going to happen like that. That may happen after 20 years, he may move you and position you and your heart so that you're carrying, reaching, and you're leading an organization that is reaching throughout China. Yes, but right now it's just like, hey, I, w- I just want you to see the neighbor across the street. I want you to see the mailman. I want you to see that girl you always say hello to when you buy the diet Dr. Pepper at the gas station. You know? I want you to see the odd circumstances when I bring people across your path. And it's obvious that it's weird. That's me. I'm weird because I'm not in your normal way. I don't do things that... You're not going to have people walk up and go, Hi, can you tell me about Jesus? I really need ministry. I need somebody to love me and point me in the right direction. Are you available? Can I set an appointment? You know? So being able to see number 1 and then i think the next thing that you do is you say lord give me a heart give me a heart for who you've shown me if it's not already there lord give me your heart and that leads to prayer number 2 really is prayer because prayer comes out of a heart if prayer is religious duty you're just it's just a bunch of hot hot breath filling the air Prayer is intercession. Prayer is coming from the heart. It's words spoken from the heart. So you've got to have the heart. It is okay, Lord. You keep bringing these weird situations to me. I'm seeing these people, Lord. What are you saying? What do you want to do, Lord? What's your heart for them? You're the great shepherd. I'm willing to step into some shepherding. I'm sorry, the term is kind of hard for me because there was a whole weird shepherding movement back in the 70s. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm not talking about control. I'm talking about just loving people. Just saying, okay, I see the people around me. This is not some kind of, you're not setting up a structure, you're not setting up an organization. You're just loving people. And then the third thing you do, first, you know, you see them. Second, you're praying for them. Third is just some kind of practical way of loving them let the lord lead you in that and this may be quick you know if i had been in my right prayerful mind maybe uh i would have seen that girl and invited her down and it would have moved from seeing her having a heart for her and walking it out the love come sit down here young lady let's let's talk what's going on you know tell me your story and beginning to pour out the heart of jesus to her It can happen fast. It can happen over weeks. But it'll happen. Because Jesus cares about them. I know it's hard shifting from being a sheep to being a shepherd. I know it's hard. I'm an occupational shepherd. But I also have to be just a regular shepherd too. A real shepherd with the heart of Jesus. If all I am is just occupational, God help us. It really has to come from our heart. And it's not just you guys. I have to do it everywhere I am. I have to look out and go, oh man, how's my neighbor doing? I'm worried about this young couple. I know their names. I pray for them. I'm worried about this couple. I pray for them. I'm concerned. I see them. That's what I mean. Just beginning to walk that out and say, Lord, is there a way to care for Is there a way to strengthen them? Is there a way to heal them? Is there a way to bind up any injuries they have? So as you do this, it's important to, uh, to kind of be culturally sensitive. And by culturally sensitive, I'm probably not saying what you think I'm saying. I don't mean to be like, oh, you've got to be careful what you say i 'm being more like how do you bring Jesus into the culture where they are? See as a missionary you 're called to be cross culture. you might luck out and be called to people who are just like you. you might and that is great. have fun with it, do it, but a lot of times you're going you're you're cross cultural you 're ministering and loving on and being a light to people that you have not hung out with you don 't know what they 're like you, you and you just have to be sensitive and thinking, okay, Lord, how do I bring a light into their world? How do I bring Jesus? Because our lives don't intersect. They don't interact. So how can I strategically, Lord, intersect with them and be sensitive about it? You know, Shay taught a class. She's in Colorado, I think. I think she's here in town today but she taught a class about how to do this how to intersect for those that are around you and I've got it on video we'll try to get it out but the Lord will give you creative ideas and usually it's getting outside of your comfort zone you know as a parent uh, you get out of your comfort zone and when you move from being a sheep to a shepherd you get out of your comfort zone because it's about doing and being and and crossing lines and doing things that maybe that aren't familiar to you, but they become familiar to you. You know, uh, I think it was Bruce Wilkerson, when he heard the Lord about reaching the gangs of New York, and he left his home in, I want to say Pennsylvania, and went to New York, and he's a straight-laced preacher, you know, in a suit, and he begins to reach... David Wilkerson. Who did I say? Bruce? Yeah, Yeah, you know who Bruce is. Uh, Bruce is the writer, uh, made the book, uh, The Prayer of Jabez. Yeah. Anyway, you know who I'm talking about. David Wilkerson. But he was willing to get into and begin to interact with that counterculture and bring Jesus into it. There are tons of sheep all around us that Jesus just loves to pour his Loving. You probably need to speak their language a little bit. And and what I mean by that is, I mean, it may be like where you're actually learning a foreign language. I don't recommend trying to be cool and speaking slang. Yo, what up? Uh, No, don't do that. I'm talking more of uh, speaking their language by getting rid of your Christianese and just being real. You know? And that can take some practice and some adjustment to reach the people around you to not sound churchy. Because we, I mean, if all we do is we hang around with just believers and we're all just here in the flock together and this is who we hang around with, we begin to smell, look, and act like each other. You know? Well, bless God, brother, how you doing? You know? And that doesn't mean a lot, you know? So being able to communicate in a way that their heart will receive. Jesus did it. He came to earth and he just spoke to him. He spoke the truth, but he spoke in ways that they could understand. Or he spoke in ways that they could understand if they wanted to by telling parables. Sorry, I'm reading my notes. I think the biggest question is, can they see your love and concern? Don't do it to be religious. Do it because you actually care about the person. And that will be the difference. If you're doing it to be religious or you think this is the best thing that that Jesus wants you to do or you're trying to make Pastor Matt happy, oh, please don't. You know, if you do it because you actually care about the person. I have a a pastoral friend. Man, he uh, just is well-refined. In his, uh, in his ability just to love on people in public. And every time I go with him, I have lunch with him, and he's always, hey, what's your name? And he's ta- he spends this whole time where he converses with the person who's waiting on the table. And it's not a religious, it's not a weird, it's not a churchy conversation. It's just a loving, caring upon them. And then he goes, do you mind if I pray for you? You know, and it's just so down to earth. Like 99% of the time that I've been with him, they have said, absolutely, would you? You know, their heart is open because he's just, and he has practiced a lot and he's great at it. So I like going out to lunch with him because it stretches me. And I'm like, okay, i got to get better at this. I enjoy this. And I also encourage you, uh, when you are dealing with, uh, when the Lord is beginning to point you in the direction of other people, uh, you'll probably need to get less and less in media. And the reason being is that media is constantly shoving down your throat a way of thinking. And if you're going to reach the lost sheep, they probably don't think that way. And if you're going to try to bring in a way of thinking to them, you're going to lose them. So if you get to be like Jesus, you'll bring Jesus. If you listen to your news channel which leans one direction or the other, you'll bring that political thought. If you are, whatever you watched, uh, if you watch, I don't know, what can I pick on this morning that won't offend very many people? <laughs> um, I, I, you guys probably aren't a lot of strong, uh, well, no, I can't do that one. Anyway, Pick a genre, and if that's all you listen to, you're going to talk out of that genre, whether it be horror, sci-fi, superhero, sports, yes, maybe sports is a good one, because sports isn't that, if all, I mean, you're like sports, and that's all you talk, is sports, 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 and the person you're trying to reach is obviously not a sports person. If you really want to reach them, you're probably going to have to de-sport a little bit to be able to communicate with them. And you do that because you are a shepherd. A sheep would go, well, why do I need to change? They're the one that needs it. Well, that's sheep thinking. A shepherd thinks, man, I love this person. Jesus loves this person. I'm going to be a good friend, parent, father, mother, mother. Shepherd and get to know this person for who they are. And and if they end up liking sports, great. But my most important is I want to talk about Jesus. I want to talk about faith. I want to I want to hear them and not just try to download my worldview. It's missional thinking. So I encourage you, you are a beautiful shepherd. You're a beautiful light. Uh, Do you need to grow? Probably so. Do I need to grow? Well, I've given you two examples of this week where I failed and I need to grow. So uh, we're all there. We're all growing. Don't discount yourself. Don't stop doing. Don't choose not to because of something that you feel is not right. Be the light that you are. Shine Jesus. Shine every bit of Jesus you know and get to know Jesus more so you can shine even greater and have fun doing it. Your beautiful shepherds walk in it. Let me pray over you this morning. And then I will give you enough time to go out and get some of that lovely food. Oh, you got something? Mm-hmm. I wasn't reading you. Go.
1: <laughs> Amber, would you be able to come up and play just a little bit quietly? What's up? Oh, Greta? Yeah, just some, just some music this is really hot. Can we turn this down a little bit? (laughs) I just feel like, okay, I just feel like we need to um, respond to this. I think all of us are in some place or another where we need God to move upon our heart or in our lives, and so I just want to pray over us. If anyone else feels led to pray over us, come on up and take the microphone, but um, let's just take a minute And just see what the Lord does receive from him. Father, I just thank you for this word, for a practical word. And we just open our hands to you and we just say that we are the arrows in your quiver. We are your church. We are your hands and feet. We are your lips and your words to the world around us. And so Father, I just pray that you would open up our eyes, that you would give sight to us in areas where we might be blind. If we have scales on our eyes, I pray that you would remove them. I pray that you would open up our eyes to see what you see on a daily basis. Give us your eyes, Lord. Give us your sight, Father,
0: to see the
1: world around us, to see those individuals that you put across our path on a daily basis in our area of influence, in our hats, Lord. Open our eyes, Jesus. Open our eyes, Jesus. I pray that you would give us spiritual LASIK surgery that we would be able to see, to see, to see. And Father, I pray that you would soften our heart to the world around us if we have areas in our heart that we fear speaking to others, that we fear what people might say, I pray that you would heal that, that you would remove all fear, that you would remove all fear of man, all fear of our image, all fear of our reputation, and soften our heart. For those around us, for those who are in need. And Father, I just pray that you would give us the tools that we need, that each of us need for our areas. Give us the tools and the equipment that we need. And if we have those tools and they're rusty and they need to be cleaned off, Lord, I pray that you would just do that, that you would quicken our hearts to do that, to be diligent, to clean off the tools that you have given us. To use them again. To use them again. I know we know that saying, it's just like riding a bike. (laughs) Help us to take that step, Lord, to use those tools again.
2: As I was sitting there the Lord kind of spoke to me and just said that uh, he wanted me to share uh, on the way we went to the party last night on the way back we had a flat tire and so we had to wait for AAA to come and change the tire and this woman came and changed the tire for us and um, and we were able to talk with her my husband was able to talk with her and and actually just pray for her about whatever she needed and what the Lord said was saying is that he brings people into our path, and it's like here we are sitting with a flat tire and thinking, "Oh, great!" And it's like uh, I referred to James as count it all joy when you fall into trials and tribulations. And I thought, "Okay, I'm going to be joyful and I'm going to count this as joy." And actually, when this woman came and we were able to pray for her and to minister to her, that's the divine appointment that the Lord had for me, even though I had a flat tire in order to get to that place. But it's things happen in our lives that we think, oh man, why is it me? How come this happened? Instead of saying, count it all joy, it's like the Lord's maybe using that opportunity to bring somebody onto your path. So it's changing our perspective on what's happening rather than looking at it as negative. Say, okay, Lord, this is an opportunity for something, so show me what it is. And, and this morning I was in the, in the boiler room and, and the Lord kind of said, the gentleman that came in there was trying to do this insurance thing but he was telling us oh well, my car got wrecked or something he was telling us all this personal stuff about himself and then he went into his little spiel and uh, you know and I, and the Lord, at the time I hadn't thought about it but when I was sitting there I said you know I should have stopped then and just said let me pray for you for the things that have been happening to you but i was so you know distracted by him and, and all what he was trying to do that i didn't stop to look at him as a person and what his need was because he came into a church on sunday and with the idea that i using the excuse i wanted to sell insurance but he came in here because the lord brought him in here for a reason so each of those things we can learn from and so the next time we come across things like that you will it'll the lord can quicken our spirit quicker and we'll go okay i'm going to pray for this person or i'm going to speak life to this person so um Thank you, Matt, for your
0: message.
3: So I had a, excuse me, I had a conversation with one of my sons this past week about the parable of the Good Samaritan, and I think it's kind of relevant to what we're talking about this morning. Um, and, uh, I kind of, um, I won't go into the details of why he and I were talking about it, but one of the, the things that I told him about is that, you know, uh, in that parable, there's three, uh, three people who interact with the man by the side of the road. There's a priest, a Levite and a Samaritan. And I was explaining to him that the man on the side of the road, uh, was a Jewish man. And that's significant because the priest and the Levite who chose not to help him were both, it was their job to help him and they chose not to. Um, and the Samaritan, <clears throat> he was an enemy of that man and he chose to, um, to reach out despite being an enemy, right? Uh, and, and the point that I'm making here is that when we have, <clears throat> um, first we have to identify someone who needs our help, right? We need to be able to see that, right? But then once that happens, we have a conversation afterwards inside of our hearts about um, is it our responsibility or not to, right? And sometimes sometimes we make justifications for why we shouldn't have to help that person, right? Um, or sometimes we have legitimate reasons why we shouldn't, right? The priest and the Levite, their job was to help, but they lost that inner, inner conversation to justifications about why they shouldn't help that person, right? The Samaritan, conversely, He had actual reasons why. This is my enemy, right? Maybe this is a trap or, you know, something like that. And, but he won that inner conversation, right? And it says specifically that he was, um, that he, um, when he saw him, he was moved to pity. It wasn't just a, uh, it wasn't just an act of duty, right? In order to, in order to be moved to, um, to do something out of compassion for another person, right you have to spend some time thinking about why that is and that's what actually pushed him over that edge right Matt one of the things you said is that you know God might not call us to um, you know be a shepherd to all of China or something like that that's something that we're going to build up to right This Samaritan it goes on to say that he spent his own money in order to put this guy up in a in a hotel for some amount of time right up like a long amount of time uh, he doesn't that Samaritan didn't spend his time going around roads looking for people that he could put up in a hotel right that wasn't his job right but it started with beginning to have that conversation with the Lord and being moved in that and so the 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 thing that I'm trying to bring up is that <clears throat> this is something that I know that I need to do this week but that I want to encourage you all to do and be praying for you about is that sometimes the very first thing that we need to do maybe the people that God's putting in front of us um, maybe we're missing out on that they're the ones who we're being sent to because we have reasons not to help them right um i know of of people in my life that i have reasons not to be helping right and and they're not bad reasons they're good reasons (laughs) but uh just because i have reasons not to be helping them doesn't mean that i don't have to be having that conversation with the lord too right right and that doesn't mean that i need to um that tomorrow I need to go to that person and I need to try and turn their world upside down in order to get them off the side of the road and taken care of and things like that. It means that I need to start by putting in the work in that conversation with the Lord so that I have compassion for them. Because to be honest, the problem is that I don't currently have that compassion for them. And so I need to get that first because you can't be a shepherd if you're not having the care for them, right? So I'm gonna pray for that really quick uh dear heavenly father thank you for your goodness and your love thank you that you um sent your son to come and speak to us um in many many different ways and to teach us many many good things thank you for uh your willingness to share your compassion with us and move us to do things that um we would we would just spend our time coming up with lots of reasons not to and avoiding it lord for for our personal comfort lord this week i pray for uh, the people in this body who are struggling to um, recognize who um, who they could uh, have compassion on or who they could uh, be a light to Lord and I pray that you would help us to um, not have that inner dialogue about helping them or having compassion on them just with ourselves but that we would reach out to you and include that include you in that conversation so that you can teach us the right way to go Lord help us just to take those first few steps with you um, down the road and let you lead us where it should go in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.
0: Okay, I think we are going to close out. And let me just do a closing prayer over you guys. Uh, I love our body. Father, thank you, Lord, for this beautiful church. Thank you, Lord, for each and every one that's here, Lord, those that are joined us online. Listening later to the podcast, Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, for each one that you would speak in a healthy, uh, strong way, Lord Jesus. There would be no condemnation. There would be no mixing up of motives or any kind of weird stuff, Lord. They would just hear you and have your heart, Father. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our midst. Jesus, you are king, and we love your presence, Lord. We so love your presence. Lord, do add to our number daily those who are being saved. Like in the book of Acts, Father. Do, Lord. Do add daily. Even the ones that maybe will stretch us a bit. Uh, Lord, your sheep, your flock, you bring them in, Lord. We'll take care of them, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. There is a bunch of food out there. Be blessed. Thank you, guys, for donating all the food to us. Bless you. There is prayer up here in the corner. If you would like prayer individually, our prayer team will be up here and ready to minister to you.